You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Amen. You can be seated. That's good. So I'm going to do a couple of announcements first. Uh, Let me say something to you because I want you to understand when the Holy Spirit confirms, it gives you so much confidence. And uh, every time when Bella started sharing her testimony and then when Lucia or Bella shared the word God gave her and then Danielle came up and Lucia shared her testimony, I was like, I am in the right room. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in the right room. And uh, I want you to know this. When I was younger, hello, online family. Uh, when I was younger, like in a service like this, I would never do announcements because I was always afraid of breaking the anointing. But if my announcements can break the anointing, I never had one. Because I want you to understand something. You don't have to feel anything to move in the Spirit of God. You've got a promise bigger than your emotions. Your emotions make a tremendous servant, but a terrible master. In the car of your life, make them sit in the back seat. Don't ever let them drive. Someone asked me one time, they said, why can't we lock them in the trunk? I said, because that's dysfunction. (laughs) So your emotions, this is not the message, but somebody needs to hear this. Your emotions have a voice, but they don't get the choice. And everything I just said was pure Beth Taylor. So turn around and wave at her. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hey, if you put the first screen up, I think it's got our social media on there. A year and a half ago, Beth and I launched Taylor Ministry Group. Wow, that did not survive the internet well. So, um, so there's no telling what, uh, you know, sometimes they look good when you make them. And sometimes when you email them in, they don't make it. But, hey. So, you can't read that, but if you just search on your favorite social media platforms, including YouTube, Taylor Ministry Group, Beth and I would love for you to follow us, and as often as we post, which we usually post something once a week or so, um, then you can receive that. If you go to the next slide, there's no telling what it's going to look like. Oh, hey, look. Matter of fact, the internet added 30 pounds to me when that slide came through. (laughs) Hey, we would love for you to pray with us in a table out in the foyer. Uh, we've got some little flyers like this. If you don't have one yet, it's just the perfect size to put with your Bible or your Kindle or your iPad or something, whatever you read with every day by your favorite chair. I would love to see this in your home coffee stain where you sit your coffee on top of it and um, you pull it out and pray every day for us. Listen, we have been called to minister to leaders. Leadership matters. And all I've got to do is interview two of you in this room. I guarantee you, I could only, probably one, probably one of you, pick a random person and go, how many of you have been hurt in church, hurt in business, hurt in Little League? Hurt in anywhere there's a leader because bad leaders produce bad fruit. But healthy leaders produce good fruit. And so Beth and I are called, we've been doing this. I, I became an Eagle Scout when I was 13 years old. Yeah, old people know that means something. The, the millennials like so. Uh, so Beth and I have, all we've ever done is lead. And so uh, two years ago, God began to, actually three years ago, God began to tap us on the shoulder and say, I want you to help 
prepare the underground church. And so what we're doing, how many of you have never believed two years ago that there would have been a virus and church would not have been able to meet in buildings? Can I step to the edge of the stage and listen to me? Y'all, I want you to, I'm not a scare tactic. I want you to listen to me, beloved. You're gonna have more opportunities to learn, lead and learn in the kingdom of God in the days ahead in your homes, where you work, where you talk. And it's time, the time to prepare is now. There's a Japanese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And so I want to help you, Beth and I, want, we exist to help you learn how to lead and lead from your identity, not lead from applause, not lead from title, not lead from position, but to lead from who you are on the inside. And we want to help you do that. And so out on our table, we've got one resource that we're offering right now. It's this little discipleship booklet. It's just a very small booklet. It's called A Light Under My Path. And we're making these available for $4 a piece, okay? It's like 12 to 15 small Bible studies that will help you grow in your identity. L listen, because of a, a generous gift from the author, which she's here today, so I'm not nervous at all. Wave your hand. There's Myra Goldfarb. She's mad at me because I recognized her. There she is. The author's with us. Uh, we would love for you to pick one of those up. And again, uh, really the best thing is to pick up two. One for you to do and then one to do with someone you're discipling. And I'm not just trying to sell books, but if you would do that, and if you don't have any cash with you today, by all means, people are blessing us so we can pay it forward. So I'd love for you to just stop and grab a couple. And this is our home church. And so, uh, I mean, uh, this, this morning is why this was our home church. Wasn't that incredible? Whoa, man. Next time you meet someone and they say, I'm an atheist, go, you should come to Acts 2. <laughs> Because, you know, you might, they might could argue with you about systematic theology, but they can't argue with you about presence. There's presence in the room. All right. I'm just kind of warming up. Are we good? Yes. All right. That, that, that. We would love to send you our monthly email, okay? And you can, there's a sheet of paper out there. You can write down your email address. We won't spam you. We'll send you about one email a month with a leadership lesson in it because we want to give to you. And then secondly, where we're preaching, where we're ministering, what we're doing so you can pray for us. Okay, so that's a fair trade, right? We give you what we have. You give us what you have, which is prayer and encouragement. Okay? All right, well, if you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel and say, I can do that. Because what Bella did this morning, what Danielle did this morning, and what Lucia did this morning, and what Lucia shared with us that she's been doing on the beach, you can do too. As a matter of fact, you have a mandate to do it. And so today I want to equip you in the ability to hear and speak the voice of God. And I'm so confident in the power of our God and the power of his word that I'm going to use the illustration of a little child to teach you. A little child who found out who he was in God and then prophesied everywhere he went. So keep your finger on 1 Samuel and now flip over to Genesis 3 verse 8. Genesis 3, verse 8. I'm preaching today on the lessons from Samuel we can all prophesy. Everybody say, I can prophesy. I can prophesy. Genesis 3 and verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
naked. I am from Georgia. I'm not ashamed. All right, let's pray. Father, you want to speak to your people more than we want to hear. And when we've blown it, when we've missed it, when we hide, you still want to speak to us. You've illustrated it with Adam and the woman. You're going to illustrate it today through the little boy Samuel. You've illustrated it through Lucia, through Bella, through Danielle. So we're believing today, God, that when we leave this room, we all will prophesy. As a matter of fact, I'm releasing my faith right now. Before we leave the room, we will all have prophesied. I trust you. I believe you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have you ever met someone that gets you to begin to question if God's real, if he's still speaking? Maybe you've been like Adam and the woman here in this passage that we've mentioned. You've blown it. You have just blown it. You have, you've gone beyond any level of mess up that you've ever done in your life. And you are sitting there in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your defeat, and you're thinking, it's too much. I, I just have this idea, just a small idea, that perhaps no one in this room has ever blown it as much as Adam and Eve. <laughs> has anyone in this room ever shipwrecked humanity for all of eternity? Just checking. <laughs> Tom, you have not. So, but thank God that when they were at their worst, God is at his best. When you're at your worst, God is at his best. And he came looking for them. And when you read it, it seems like that it was a daily appointment. That it was an appointment. It said he came, as was his usual, he came walk his face, his presence came into the garden. And because they didn't know who he was, they didn't know where they were. Because they hid from the source of ultimate love and revelation. You see, they didn't know who he was. That's why they believed the lie and ate the fruit in the first place. You see, a wrong identity of God, a wrong understanding of God's identity will give you a wrong understanding of your identity. You see, when they beheld him, daily, unbroken, sinless communion, somehow there was a disconnect and they did not believe, they didn't understand on the inside that he is who he says he is, so that when they were deceived and offered an alternative to move from being in communion with him to, to living from their own understanding, their own knowledge of good and evil, they chose their understanding and then they missed the moment when God showed up. They missed the moment. They hid themselves from him. But I've got good news for you is that didn't deter God because he asked them a question. Listen, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he knows that you don't know the answer. Adam, where are you? I used to think, and I've said it in recordings, and so please, if you find these, burn them, delete them, whatever. But I used to say that was the saddest sentence in all the Bible. I think it's the happiest verse in all the Bible. Adam, where are you? Man, he, he moves across this room right now and he's speaking to dead places, dry places, hard places, cold places, lost places in this room right now. And he's saying, where are you? I'm here for you. 
And then he draws them unto himself. And now in this first dynamic illustrated children's sermon of the gospel, he kills lambs and puts the wet skins on them to cover up their sin, to cover up their shame, and to cover up the religion that they've made of their own fig leaves. In one moment, the blood is shed, they're covered, and communion is restored. And that's what's already happened for you in the room today if you're a believer. If you're in the room today and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, the blood has already been applied for you. Now watch, if you're in the room today and you haven't done that yet, I've got good news for you. The blood's already been shed for you. You can't earn it. You're not ever going to be good enough. You can't figure it out. All you have to do today is receive. You go, well, I don't know. That's pretty hard. I tell you this, if I had some $100 bills right now and I started to give them out, it wouldn't be difficult for you to receive, would it? This is even better. This is even better because I don't put a lot of faith in U.S. currency in this moment, but I can put a lot of faith in the currency of heaven. Come on, y'all. And I want you to believe that. And the currency of heaven, now watch this, the currency of heaven is love, but love is demonstrated and declared through words. I don't, even, I don't even have the right words to declare to you the power of words. In John, the Gospel of John says, and the word became flesh. Words are it's this unique entity by which the invisible is made visible. Words are like boxcars that carry ideas. I mean, I think about it for a moment. You're looking at me and you're thinking, wow, his head is shiny. <laughs> see, see, perhaps if you're viewing right now, you might have been thinking, I need something to describe that. Maybe some of you in this room felt the word glory. <laughs> you're not wrong. You see, but, but if I walked into, if I stood here right now and I said to you, I feel melancholy. Some of you would know what that means. If I said to you, I'm excited, some of you would know what that means. And God's given us this unique ability to convey the invisible into the visible. When the earth, Genesis chapter one, right? And the earth was formless and void. Second verse, first verse is in the beginning God. Formless and void. I love these two Hebrew words. You're gonna love this, tohu bohu. How many of you have ever stepped in some tohu bohu? You see, that's what the earth was when darkness reigned. Tohu bohu. But God spoke, let there be. Some, some translations just say, light be. And how many know that word has so much power, it's still radiating? It's radiating from the center of the universes. It's radiating from stars. And it still has the power that when we flip on the invention of Edison, light be, it works. And God has called us to carry this potential to speak something into nothing. To speak courage into discouragement. To speak life into death. To speak hope into hopelessness. To speak beyond imagination. See, at the end of the day, Christianity is about believing the unbelievable and loving the unlovable. And we've been invited into that process God invited us. Now I want to turn to today's lesson. That was all introduction. So today's lesson is from the little boy Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Are you there? Have you ever had to deliver bad news? 
Have you ever been the bearer of bad news? A number of years ago in another state, I was a youth pastor and um, one of the things that I had to do at times was to help minister to the teenagers bad news. I mean, I didn't just get to go whitewater rafting all the fun stuff. If there was a bad moment, I got to deliver bad news. I had to help, help tell the children that their mom and dad were getting divorced. I had to help in, in difficult, challenging moments. And one of those moments was I got a phone call and uh, I was told by my pastor, um, and there were no such thing as car phones then. This is an old story. And so I was, or mobile phone, cell phone. So I, I picked up the landline. It had a cord. <laughs> and, um, and my pastor said, um, I want you to go up there. These two girls in your youth group, let's just make up names because I want to protect this story. Sally and uh, Fredrina. <laughs> <laughs> Sally and Fredrina's mother is dying and the dad doesn't feel equipped to tell them and I want you to go up there and tell them and then take them into the ICU unit to tell their mother goodbye. What would you say to deliver bad news? So I got, kissed my wife on the head and kissed my sons on the head got in my car and drove to that hospital, went up the elevator, got in the waiting room to the ICU unit where that dad and those two girls were. And as I stepped into that ICU unit, the spirit of God came on me and I had a word for them. And you gotta pay attention. I'll give you the word in a minute. First Samuel chapter three. Samuel is the story of someone who prophesies with such incredible accuracy that even in the old covenant, it rattles the pages of scripture. Before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, listen to what it says. First Samuel chapter three, verse 19 through 21. Now Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. That's Hebrew idiom for he never missed. None of his words fell to the ground. Like a dart at a dartboard, he hit the bullseye every single time. Everybody say, that's me. You have a better covenant than Samuel had. Samuel didn't have the Holy Ghost inside of him, and you do. The Holy Ghost came on him, but he lives in you. Samuel was a place he visited from time to time. He was a fixer-upper. He was a cottage down by the beach, but you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Holy Moses. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. Now, again, this is idiom. What this means, it's not just those two tribes or those two areas, those two cities. Dan to Beersheba means the entire breadth and length of the land. All of Israel. Everybody say all. all. Knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Shiloh is another word for peace. It's kind of derivative of Shalom. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now let me set the context because it's important that you get this. Samuel follows the book of Ruth, which follows the book of Judges, okay? And so what we have here, remember, Judges is known as a time of lawlessness. The time of Judges is a generation that have forgotten that God had delivered them from Egypt by their mighty hand. 
So after the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we get the book of Joshua. And Joshua led the children of Israel over the Jordan into the promised land and they begin to spread out and take the land. They begin to obey the original Genesis mandate. You remember that, right? Be prosperous, uh, take dominion, fulfill your purpose, take the land. But something happened between Joshua and the next generation. Joshua somehow dropped the ball and did not make disciples. And so we get the time of the judges and the key verse, the key idea to judges, the young people remember, I taught you guys this at youth just a couple weeks ago, was what? And there was no king in the land and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's where we are today. Sure, you talk to somebody about your faith and they won't argue with you necessarily. They won't say, you're crazy, you're wrong. They will look at you and go, well, that's okay for you. But for me and Fredrina in our home, this is what we believe. <laughs> right? But what that is, that's a soft soul, 21st century euphemism for I am serving a God I've created in my own image. Yes. That's the time of Samuel. Samuel is this incredible book, this incredible scroll that connects the patriarchs with the monarchy. So we're gonna move now into this season where God's activity is moving again that we're gonna get David. We're gonna get Solomon. We're gonna move into the reign of God. We're gonna finally see some theocracy. But here in the meantime, the voice of the Lord had grown silent, not because he wasn't speaking, but because people weren't listening. Or, and I propose, they didn't have the courage to speak what they were hearing. And so when he couldn't find an adult to work in his plan, he kept on speaking, and one day in children's church, somebody obeyed. Some of you probably are called to children's ministry and you don't know it because you see it as a lesser ministry. I just want you to know that in this passage, God sees it as a greater ministry. Just checking, all right. So it was year by year that Samuel's mother went up to the tabernacle. So let me give you, I'm gonna give you four things today. You ready? Number one, here's the first thing. Samuel had a supernatural birth. Some of you know the story. Samuel's dad, Elkanah, had two wives. He loved one. Hannah, he kind of despised the other, but the other had multiple children. I wish I had time. Can I take one second? There are twos all through the scripture, and the contrast of those pairs will teach you a lesson about who you are as God's beloved. And it's not always that the fruitfulness or the lack of fruitfulness that you have proves that you're God's beloved. See, you can choose to have the fruitfulness of Esau, or you can have the blessing of Israel. Come on, So some people want to be the other wife instead of Hannah because Hannah doesn't have fruit at this point, but Hannah got a promise down in her. And Hannah began to pray and Hannah began to believe and Hannah got so filled with the spirit again that she's moving her lips and praying and thanking God that the old prophet Eli, now listen, this this is a scary thing to be the prophet of Israel in a time when God's not speaking. Eli looks at her and says, woman, why are you drunk? She says, I'm not drunk, but I'm consumed with a promise. I'm consumed with an idea that God's promised me children. I'm consumed with fruitfulness. I'm consumed with the kingdom. Some of you need to get consumed with the kingdom of God this morning. And so he's consumed, she's consumed with the kingdom of God. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, and Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, because I have asked of him from the Lord. 
You see, all of us in this room today, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only does Samuel have a supernatural birth, but you have a supernatural birth. You see, you were born like I was in the dead womb of Eve. We were born dead rather than being born alive. Because though we have physical life, we did not have spiritual life. But when you heard the proclamation of the gospel, when you heard the good news, when what was invisible in the heavenlies was made visible to your mind, you placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and you were born again. Just like Samuel, you received a supernatural birth. So that by the time John chapter three gets here, Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel. You know the lessons of supernatural birth. Why do you marvel and say you must be born again? You, my friend, say, I've been born again. You have a supernatural birth. Number two, number two, the second thing you have, you have a supernatural birth. Samuel had, and you have a supernatural opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. But Samuel, this is chapter two, verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it him year after year when it came to pass with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that you've given to the Lord. Then they would go home. See, if you don't know the backstory, let me just remind you, is that Hannah and Elkanah were so overjoyed when they had Samuel that they basically gave him to the Lord. That would be like me looking at, at uh, Andrew and Jocelyn and saying, I'm so grateful for Jonathan, well, you keep him. <laughs> and you raise him in the things of the Lord and I'll come see him once a year when I bring the sacrifice. Now, I know you're thinking, because it's outside of our culture, but what a fantastic opportunity for this little boy. And they knew it was an opportunity. Have you ever wondered why Zebedee released James and John to go follow Jesus? Because in Hebrew culture, they believed that a man-child had the opportunity to somehow, by the mystery of God, become Messiah, Emmanuel. And so when the traveling rabbi comes by and says, let your boys follow me, Zebedee's like, by all means. They've been kicked out of Torah school. They've been told, go back to the family business. That's all you can do. Listen, my friends, people might have discounted you. They might have told you that you weren't enough, that you weren't smart enough, you weren't strong enough, you weren't brave enough, you weren't white enough, black enough, Asian enough, tall enough, short enough, white enough, Italian enough. They might have told you you were not this. But I've got news for you today. Because of the blood of Jesus, you have an opportunity. This is your moment. And like... Esther of old, you've been brought into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Listen, the only way I'm ever gonna talk about right now being unprecedented again is not because of some disease, it's because we're ready for an unprecedented move of the move of God. And I'm gonna step into it because I am not afraid of a virus I can't see when I can behold a God that I can see. And people are desperate and this is our moment. See, every year, every year, every year, because they didn't have the same technology that we do, Hannah would fax Eli and say, send me his measurements. I want to make him a custom robe. You have a custom robe of righteousness that's yours and yours alone. That boy didn't drag around in Eli's old dusty blind robe anymore. 
because he was custom fit, uniquely made for his moment and his time. And you've been custom fit, uniquely made for your time. This is our opportunity. Listen, you say, Eddie, why does it matter if I have a supernatural birth? Why does it matter if I recognize the opportunity? Because when you begin to have a sense of your destiny, you will be bold to speak out. Man, when I sat back there this morning and kept hearing all these prophecies and testimonies, I was thinking, oh. I am in the right room because I knew what I was talking about, but they didn't. And so I don't have to give any illustrations today because Lucia's given all my illustrations. You have to understand this is my moment. Touch your neighbor and say, this is my moment. It gets better. Number three, you have, if you're taking notes, please write this down. You have supernatural favor. You see, unfortunately, we let some charlatans come along and tell us that favor was about possessions. Listen, favor can, possessions can be the outflow of favor, but that's not why you've been given favor. I love, I was Googling because I wanted to find, I'm sorry, I was searching because I wanted to find, I wanted, I wanted to find a concise definition of favor. Favor is the outworking of the grace of God. And here it is, you ready? This is a great definition. Favor is the demonstrated delight of God. Oh my goodness. The demonstrated delight of God. It said, and the Lord visited Hannah and she had the favor of God and she bore three more sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child grew. First Samuel 2, 26. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and men. You see, you say, well, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal because if you look at Luke 2, 52, the author of scripture uses that same phrase that describes Samuel to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus grew in favor and in wisdom with God and men and God was with him. Listen, God is with you, my friends. Listen, listen, you say, well, how could it be? How could it be that God knew exactly when that lady was having her quiet time on the beach that he would send a heat-seeking missile named Lucia? <laughs> to talk to her. It's because God's favor was on her and God's favor was on Lucia and God's favor is on you. He knows right where you are and he knows who's around you. I love how Danny Silk says this. Danny, Danny Sick is Silk and Danny Silk is sick. And what he says is, he says to the prophetic people, and that's us, right? There are no mistakes and no coincidences ever. And everything means something. Like some of you don't have a digital clock. You have like a time traveling portal in your car. Like if you look at your car and it says 312, 312, you think, oh, glory to God. Beloved, I would have all things that you would be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Three John, one, two. You know, you just, every number, 10, 10, 10, 10. You've come that I might have life in that more abundantly. Glory to God. <laughs> you text your friends, 316, somebody's getting saved right now. Glory to God. See, listen, but God's demonstrated delight works like that for people who want it to work like that. For people who believe that God is for me. He's moving towards me. He's speaking to me. And I am a mobile hotspot. 
See, I thoroughly believe the only reason, not the only, one of the only reasons the tabernacle is in the Old Testament is to show us that the hot spot of God's glory and presence can move. And it moves on the shoulders of those he set apart for himself, the Levites. Say, that's me. Not on a pagan cart, which is boards and big wheels. Somebody will get that. Number four, number four, every former and current pastor got that joke. All right, number four, Samuel had supernatural boldness. I'm telling you, some courage has to come up in us right now. Everybody say courage. courage. Chapter three, verses one through five. And now the boy Samuel ministered before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread vision. And it came to pass that while Eli was lying in his place, his eyes had begun to grow dim and that he could not see that before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was, that while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called to Samuel and said, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you've, you've called me, what do you want? And he said, I did not call you, lie down. You know the story, a couple more times, Samuel, maybe you don't, if you don't, Samuel runs in there a couple more times to Eli because he hears the voice of God and he's not accustomed to hearing the voice of God yet, so he thinks it's his mentor. Can I tell you this, for some of us, the way you're gonna learn to hear the voice of God is to learn to be in communion, fellowship, and submitted to a local body. Some of you, the way you hear God to start with is gonna sound an awful lot like Andrew Lamb. See, that shouldn't put pressure on you, that should put pressure on him. But what that should also do is for him not to take it, but to roll it over to the only one who can carry it, amen? And so he hears, now watch, I love this, because I want you to again to get the scenario. Eli is this old, disobedient leader, priest, who has not raised his boys right. His boys are committing high treason against God every time sacrifices are brought. And he's lost his vision. He's visionless or vision compromised. And I don't just mean physically. And it says the light is about to go out in the tabernacle. And in the middle of all this apostasy, God begins an awakening. And so listen, I wanna tell you something. The light has become dim in the West. But in the light that has become dim in the West, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of his shining will be on you. Man, in the days of great apostasy, God wants to bring a great awakening and you get to choose. You get to choose, but it takes supernatural boldness to wake up, brush your teeth and believe I was born for such a time as this. For you to wake up and go, what? No, no, that's not what I believe. I, I love what Lucius said to that lady who said, my days on earth aren't gonna be long. She said, well, let's see what God has to say about that. <laughs> I've come that you might have life in that more abundantly. Psalm 116, verse 18, that you will live and not die and declare the glory of your God. That's what God has to say. And he wants us to step out. See, Samuel has boldness and we can have boldness. I love Acts chapter four, verse 31, because it was also a moment of conflict. It was also a moment of political unrest. It was also a moment of, of something we've never known here in the United States, military occupation. And the disciples have worked a miracle in chapter three. 
a lame man begins to walk and leap and praise God and they come under extreme persecution. So they don't cry, they don't whine, they don't, you know, get in a room and go post, you know, on Facebook. What they do is they get into a room and begin to pray. And as they pray, look what it says, 431. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, can I tell you what our heart is for you and our heart as communicators, teachers, pastors, apostle, prophet, evangelists, leaders are in the body of Christ is that every time we gather, not that we would have a great feast, but that you would go home with a take-home sack. That you would receive something that you could take home and live out of and apply and move out of. That this wouldn't be just a moment on Sundays, but we would become a movement. And that all of Orlando, Central Florida, and everyone watching by the World Wide Web would understand that if you're born again this morning, you've got a word in you. You have a supernatural birth. You have the favor of God. You've got the boldness of the Holy Spirit. You've got, you've got God moving over you in favor. You've got God moving over you with opportunity. And all you have to do is to step into it. Now, why did he need boldness? Because the first message he ever received was a message that you don't want to give. You're talking about being a bearer of bad news. When Samuel agrees with Eli that he is hearing from God, he goes back and God speaks to him. God says, get ready, I'm gonna give you a word that when you, that when you hear it, it's gonna make everyone's ears tingle. So he goes back into Eli and he says, God's against you. God's against your boys. And God's gonna destroy this place and take his lamp out from the children of Israel. Amen, thank you, good night. <laughs> But listen, thank God that in the new covenant, that's not the prescription we've been given. See, because there's a lot of people, they still carry a word like that and they just haven't read their Bibles lately. First Corinthians chapter 14, please turn over there with me because I want to review with you who we're called to be. Everybody say, that's me. First Corinthians 14, 31, but you can all Prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. All. Everybody say all. all. It's a fantastic Greek word. It means all. <laughs> it means everyone, me, you included, the youngest person in this room who has received Christ. To the oldest person in this room, you don't get a pass. You can speak the word of God. Let me give you a simple definition of prophecy before we look at the next verse. Prophecy is simply hearing and communicating the thoughts of God. It's taking what God is saying to you and you can hear it various ways. You can see a picture. You can hear it out of the scripture. You can hear it in your mind. It can be a lighting thought. It can be something that you feel, something that you dream, something that you pray, something that you say. It can be a color that you see. It can be an image that you see. The bottom line is, is that you have this sense in your spirit, man. You bear witness in your spirit that it is not a, an idea that you've cooked up, but it's something that you've received from the mouth of God. 
So if that's what a prophecy is, and that's what we all can do, then let's get some ground rules. Can I give you road, road rules today? Three road rules real quickly, some prayers, and then we're gonna do an activation. Everybody good with that? And I'm gonna tell you the end of the story, I promise you. So here's the, here's the scripture for the road rules for prophesying, the road rules to speaking the word of God, hearing his voice and speaking it to others. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies, and he gives us now three parameters, three road rules, if you will, three categories by which helps us understand how to give the word of the Lord to people. He speaks, speaks edification. I'm just curious before we go on, how many of you used the word edification in a non-church sentence in the last week? Okay, I didn't think so. So let's say builds. He speaks to build and to and exhortation, let's just say encouragement. Same thing, to exhort, to be better, to be you, to be the best you, and comfort, to stand with someone. Parakletos, para with, stand with them. All right, you ready? So, but he who prophesies speaks to build them up, to encourage them, and to comfort, to stand with them. All right, so the three road rules, you ready? I'm gonna give you a road rule and a prayer. Road rule and a prayer. Number one, Every prophetic utterance, every time you speak and you say, I'm feeling, I'm thinking that this might be from God for you, the first thing you want it to do is you want it to build the person up. You want it to build them up. When they walk away from you, here's the question. When they walk away from you, do they have more hope than they had when they stepped up next to you? When they walk away from you, do they believe that they can be better, do better, that they can be the real them and fulfill their purpose, their destiny in the earth? And so here's a prayer I pray before I know I'm gonna meet with people or if when I see someone, my mind starts getting that thing that Lucia said, my spirit, then I ask myself, here's the prayer, you ready? Father, what can I confirm or bring witness to something they've already heard? See, because there's only one foundation, Jesus is the foundation. And so when, if I'm gonna build, everybody say build, then I can only build on top of what he's already given them. Come on, y'all. And so I, I don't wanna bring some new building elements into this thing. I don't wanna bring styrofoam bricks into the situation. I want to give them, not flattery, but I wanna build with them with kingdom words. And let me tell you something. Here's the thing I want you to understand, most of us in the room. Many times when you are with your family members or your spouse, the word of, the word of building, the word of edification sounds a lot like your family. I can't tell you the number of times that Beth has built me up. The number of times she's looked at me and says, that's not true, that's not the truth. This is, remember what God has said to you. I know there are other times that I have given someone a word. I've said to them, just a word of scripture. I said, I'm hearing this over you. And they're like, poof, that is exactly what I've been thinking about. That, I heard that three weeks ago. I heard that from God. Matter of fact, the, the lady on the back row, right there, white shirt with some sort of color print. Is that you? Stand up. Wave your hand. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's you. Stand up. I don't know. What's your name? Uh, on the back row. I, stand still, June. I'm going I'm to exercise my faith for you because you're so bold. But I don't have a word for you yet. What's your name back there, back row? Sierra, Sierra, I heard the Lord tell me specifically, and I believe you've already heard this, but you need to hear it again. You are not mistaken. It wasn't a mistake, and you're not a mistake. Is that right? Have you ever heard that kind of thing before? No, the, the word 
that, that idea. So whenever he encouraged you, has God ever spoken that to you before? Thank God, amen, all right, yeah. <laughs> The last thing you wanna do is like miss a moment. All right, stand up, June. Everybody stretch your hands towards June because I need a little faith help here. Father, we bless June in the name of Jesus. Thank you for her boldness. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, there have been people even the past June that even told you, quit faking it, why are you so happy? But I heard the Lord tell me to tell you just then, I believe it was his voice, that your happiness, your joy is from him, that you're not faking it, it's not a deal, that he's given you, that you've been one that you've carried measures of joy in the past, but you're about to move into new levels of joy like you have never seen before. In Jesus' name, June carries joy, amen? amen. Is that right? Is that right? Is that close? Okay, all right, give the Lord a big hand, clap for raise. So number one, Number one, you want to build people up and ask God, God, is there something that you've spoken to June in the past that I can join in, I can add in, I can encourage her? Number two, everybody say encourage. encourage. A word that helps people keep going. Now don't, don't raise, well, let's just raise your hand. How many of you in here have ever wanted to quit something? See, there's a, it's a prevailing spirit in our age. Quit, give up, quit your marriage, quit your children, quit your job, quit, quit, stop living. Because the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But see, I believe that God wants to give us a word that's going to encourage people, that will strengthen them, that will help them keep going. So the prayer is then, so if the first prayer is, God, what have you spoken to them that I can speak to them and encourage? The second one is, God, is there an area of their life that I can speak a word into them that will help them not quit, that will help them keep going? And I'm telling you, I have found so many times, and Andrew and others in this room, both Andrews will tell you this, a lot of times, if you make yourself available minister to people, one of the things that you'll hear more often than not is to tell people that God really loves you. God just really loves you. Don't give up. Like that sweet little couple that Lucia ministered to on the beach. Were they in their twilight years? Were they older? Yeah. And you see, when you come along there like that and you tell someone, I love you, God loves you, can I pray for you? That might be the whole answer. People don't feel love anymore. Matter of fact, in Luke there, that passage where our love has grown cold is what it says. Lawlessness abounds and many's love has grown cold. And so we need to release love and encouragement everywhere we go. And people, people will, you'll see the meltdown when you tell them that. And then the third road rule and third prayer is this. It's the road rule of comfort. I don't think anyone should step away from an encounter with God, not with the hope of redemption and healing in their minds and lives. And so the word of comfort then is God, what can I, the, the prayer of God, what can I pray for them? Is there a hurt that needs healing? Is there a pain that you wanna speak into in their life right now? And it can be physical. It can be emotional, it can be relational. I'll give you an example. This is a crazy example in my life. I was praying for a young man one day, and this is one of those that I prayed it. I didn't know I was prophesying to him, I just prayed it. So I was just praying for him and I said, out of nowhere, I said, and Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would set him free from his closet of pain. And when I said that, he crumbled to the floor and just weeping. And I said, get up, get up, get up, tell me what's going on. 
And so I helped him up and was standing there and he was trying to get his emotions about it. He said, when I was a little boy, I had a stepfather that would lock me in the closet as punishment. He said, and when you said that, God broke that pain off me once and for all and changed my life. You see, God's word is powerful. And the people that we get angry with, they're hurting. The people that might be your adversary at work, they're hurting. So what if instead of us getting angry back and us going to the lowest common denominator, what if we were to apply the road rule, God, is there a hurt in Fredrina that needs to be healed? Is there a pain deep within her that only you see that I can minister to? God, I wanna be your person. I wanna be the person that carries healing. All right, so... You can all prophesy, right? Yes. Because you've got a supernatural birth. You've got a supernatural opportunity. We have supernatural favor. We have supernatural boldness. Amen? And we've got the rules of the road, right? Yes. To build, to encourage, to bring comfort. And we can begin to pray that prayer. You might want to type those out and put them on the dash of your car. So you begin, it becomes part of your prayer routine. God help me. Today, when I get to small group, I am not just gonna wonder if anyone brought nachos. I'm coming with these three prayers. Am I the only one? Oh my gosh. Sometimes I step my prayer life up. God, I'm believing for queso. With ground beef. Somebody bore witness on the front row just then, didn't you, Joe? So I stepped into the waiting room of that ICU unit and I walked up to that dad and the two girls, they were not, you know, they were high school, they were not dummies. They, they knew something was happening. Tears in all their faces. And I said, let's pray. I grabbed their hands to pray and the Lord said, you declare over her she will live and not die. Yeah. Right. Now you clap your hands, but how would you like to be the one? Right. How would you like to be Samuel? You're gonna look at Eli. By the way, God's gonna kill your boys. But see, it's our society so given to death to give a word of life is almost as controversial. Right. Look at me. I don't know why Christians want to argue to be sick and poor. Just feed on that. That's another message for another day. I'm not saying we don't all go through seasons, but quit arguing to be that. Good gracious. All right. I do that because none of you would do that. I grabbed their hands and the Lord said, she will not die, but she'll live. And I thought, there's 2,000 years of medical science that I'm about to stand against. <laughs> some really smart person that has a sheet of paper from some medical school and a God of the universe whispering in my ear. See, you better know you're right. I said, girls, dad, she is not going to die. And she's not dead today, as far as I know. Yeah. Full disclosure, okay, is that when, after we prayed, her numbers jumped and, and, and did begin to move, and then they transferred her to a real hospital in a real city. All right, so, <laughs> but all healings from God, Amen. But just don't you think I, you know, walk around with these loaded all the time. But I do. But anyway. <laughs> all right. All right. 
Everybody stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. We're gonna quickly do two activations and you can still beat other people to the restaurant. All right, so here's the first activa activation. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you trust him more than me? Yes. Okay, good. All right, here you go. Here's what I want you to do. If you're watching online, you can do this at home too. I want you, again, trust me here because it's gonna help you kind of lock out external stimulation. Close your eyes for a second. And then I want you to say right out loud, I love you, Jesus. And then, you're so good. Next time I'm gonna count to three. <laughs> Because after you say that, I want you just to steal your spirit for a second. No one talk or clap, even though we're clapping, talking people. And just listen to your heart of hearts. And I want you to hear, God's gonna speak to you. I've released my faith. I've been praying over this. You're gonna, every person in this room is about to hear from God. Unless you're sitting there going, no, I'm not. Well, you don't have to. But if you want to, you can hear from God right now. And I believe every person wants to hear from God. So at the count of three, I want you to say simply, I love you, Jesus, and then listen. Some of you need to get in the, if you need to get in the posture, that's fine. Some of you might wanna raise your hands or have your hands to receive. One, two, three. I love you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so good. Right now, I'm just curious. Open your eyes and look at me. Uh, that's enough time. I believe you spoke immediately to most of us. I'm just curious, how many of you heard in this room something like this? Either I love you back or I love you too or I love you in your first name. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Put your hands down. So good. I wonder if there's anyone in the room that heard you're gonna make it. You're good. Bridget, that's beautiful. Amen. Let's see, what else? I wonder if there's anyone in the room that heard, this is my voice. Something like that, that you knew that you were hearing the voice of God. Anyone? Yes, sir. I believe that's true, Tom, little Tom, son. Yeah. Is there anyone else who, who would be really bold for a second, and I'm not gonna ask you to come up here, but you'd say, I heard something different, but I know that I know that I know that I heard from God for me. Christiana. Say it, real, just out like, can you share it? It was a picture where it was like, I, I actually saw his hand putting the fire on my heart. Whoa, yeah. so good. Uh, Paul, was that you? Did you have your hand up? What'd you hear? Oh, I heard, I'm calling you. I'm calling you, wow. See, that confirmed the word from Danielle. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you see that? See, God's economy. Now, you told me your name last week, and I'm... Teresa. Teresa, Teresa what did you hear? Do you... Perfect healing over you. How many of you, anyone else hear that? Perfect healing? Anyone else have a healing word? Yeah, we'll receive that, Teresa, in Jesus' name. We agree. Everybody that agrees, say, we agree. We agree. And I give Andrew Jesse permission to just, yeah, when service is over. All right. Because he carries that. Of course, all of us do. All right. So, you ready to take the next step? Next step of boldness? Are you having fun? Church should be fun. See, some religious spirits just died in this room just then. Oh, look at that guy. All right, you ready? I want you to get in groups of three or four real quickly. Groups of three or four. Don't go all over the room. You don't go find somebody you like. Just the people closest to you. And you need to love them. Groups of three or four. Yeah, you can, you can go more than four, okay? Come on. There's somebody's pointing at somebody going, get out of our circle. Just be free. That's a rough number. It's just an estimation. 
All right, all right. Now here's what I want you to do. I'm about to release the spirit of prophecy again. It's already been released according to the word of God, but then I want, I want you to just say, I bless you in Jesus' name, and then you're gonna hear something for each other. I want you to just give, it can be a simple picture or word, but remember the three road rules. It has to do what? It has to build. It has to encourage. It has to comfort, okay? Or heal, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, you're activating and releasing again the spirit of prophecy on this room that every person here, all those watching online that are participating, you can prophesy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just share now. Just share with someone close to you. Amen. All right. So go ahead and move to the next person. Two minutes. Two minutes. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes. Give the Lord a big hand clap. Woo! All right. Pastor, An Pastor Andrew, come on up because I'm going to give you the stage to close. I want to give you one word, okay? okay? Here's the final closing word. You ready? Listen right here. Here's the final closing word. It's this. If you miss it, we do not live in the old covenant. You're not going to get stoned. That's right. I would recommend using New Testament wisdom, which means I don't, when I give someone something, I don't roll my eyes back in my head. Yeah. I don't use yay, yay, never. <laughs> I used to say That's something like this. I usually say, I think I feel. I yeah. think I'm hearing this. I feel like I'm hearing yeah. this. Yeah. And then good. I give the word like this, Tom, I, I think I feel all service long that I've been hearing that God is placing a GPS inside of you mm -hmm. and you can't miss it. Because you're thinking some big dreams, you're, about, you're thinking about doing some things, making some things, but God's gonna bring such unity between you and your bride that you're gonna know that Come you've on. heard from God and good. you aren't going that's to good. miss it. That's good, man, that's Amen. good word. So, a business communicator I was listening to in the last two weeks said this, that he's met successful people in every genre of life. 
and interviewed them because he wanted to distill, wanted to understand what makes people successful. And he decided this, that it wasn't their emotional intelligence. Although we want to be, have a nice EQ, don't we? We want to be self-aware. It wasn't their intelligence intelligence. It wasn't their IQ because he's met people that were kind of nominal intelligence, but they're still extremely successful. It wasn't their people skills. So what was the thing that successful people all have in common? You ready? They have a predetermination to action because they're not afraid of failure. Come on, man. And I want you to understand this. You are going to miss it. You're going you're gonna to look at, you know, June and you're going to say, oh, that felt right, but maybe it wasn't. But the main thing is, is you have to love. If you love people and if you take a step out to, to, to connect them with God, my friends, he will cover perfect love cast out all fear. He will cover your fear. He will cover your mistakes. And if you do miss it, someone looks at you and says, I don't get that. Go, okay. Love you. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to succeed. Failure is not final. You see, you win some and you learn some. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Come on, let's bless Eddie really well. Fantastic, man. Come on. Yep, you hear a theme going on the last few weeks, last month. There's a theme going on here. The world needs Jesus and we're equipped. So don't forget the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. We're gonna do that. You're gonna get more of what you're getting now. So Lord bless you and make his face shine upon you and keep you and give you favor, favor and comfort. Does that sound good? All right, amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 